Take your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 12. We are uh, on our way through a, a brief series here through the rest of the book of Genesis. And I think we've got about four Sundays left. We're going to fly through uh, a couple of the key ideas and figures in the book of Genesis. But we don't want you to get it wrong that somehow the Bible is full of superheroes. It's not. It's full of very regular people who followed God by faith. And God made them incredible promises and uh, revealed to them who he is and how they could know him. And he showed them incredible grace. And so that is the story, really, of the whole Bible. Um, it's not about the, the people who are the heroes. It's about the incredible work of God in the world that began thousands of years ago and will continue until Jesus returns. That'll be great. So uh, we're, we're looking forward to that. Listen to the words of Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 1 here. Now the Lord said to Abram, notice he's not, he's not even Abraham yet, how we think about him. Go from your country and your kindred or your family and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Notice all the eyes here. This is God speaking. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you, this incredible promise, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Three simple words here, but don't miss them. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, his nephew. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran his hometown, and Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Mori. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So Abraham built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Let's pray together. God, it is our deep need for you to speak to us today. No one here this morning needs to hear from Matt. No one here needs my wisdom or my advice but we all need your word. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is the food that our souls need today. This is the encouragement that weary hearts need. This is the challenge that complacent hearts need. This is the conviction that our sinful hearts need. Please, dear God, speak to us through your word today so that we might leave here changed to follow you throughout the week ahead. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is a um, personally impactful story for me uh, because God has moved our family at different times, and I'm sure he's moved yours over the course of your life. Uh, even if you're in the same place that you've been for a long time, your life has changed, hasn't it? And sometimes it changes in ways that we can predict and see. And sometimes it changes fast in ways that we don't even see coming, doesn't it? 
I grew up in New Hampshire. My wife grew up in Michigan. Uh, we met at school in South Carolina. And then God brought us to Indiana. You say, how'd that happen? God did it. And uh, we got to be a part of a church in Indiana for eight years. And then uh, I could just sense God working in our life to kind of stir us and, and move us on. And we, he confirmed that through his word and a number of things. And about 10 years ago, we moved west. Best move of our lives. I'm so thankful God brought us out west. I, I have so enjoyed being out here. Uh, I grew up in New England, and I, I always tell people the west is like New England bigger and better. Right? The snow is better, the mountains are better, the scenery is incredible. Uh, I enjoy the people and the communities. It's just different. It, it misses a couple things, right? If you ever get the chance, you should go back to New England for the fall. Uh, it's remarkable. Uh, the aspens are beautiful here, but the multicolored fall in New England is, can't be beat. Um, so that's incredible. And I miss the seafood, to be honest. And, and I shouldn't expect much out here. We are 100% landlocked. Um, but, but we love it out here. And then about five years ago, God brought us here. But in all those moves, we could see God's hand and we could hear his voice. And as we come to the story of Abraham, that's the place we are, aren't we? We're at a place where God's story is going to continue to unfold. In fact, the first few chapters haven't been great, have they? I mean, God creates a perfect world, and what do human beings do? Mess it up. By the way, take anything perfect and put people in it, we make a mess, right? Government, business, church, we do. And so there's sin and consequences, and then humanity, about 1,500 years later, we think, is such a mess that God sends a flood. And then God rebuilds a little bit, and then they start trying to make a name for themselves, like Danny preached about last week. And there's a little bit of the sense through the first 10 chapters, 11 chapters of Genesis, is anything good going to happen here? If you've ever felt that way in a movie or a story. Is, is there like any hope here? And that brings us to Genesis chapter 12. Now, if you have kids, there's a great book, it's probably good for adults too, called The Biggest Story. Daniel, are you familiar with this? Yeah, of course he is. Uh, so a pastor named Kevin DeYoung has taken kind of the, the story of the Bible and condensed it down and written. And I want to read to you what he says about Abraham, because I think it's really appropriate. By the way, it has some great pictures and all kinds of stuff, um, and your kids would enjoy it. It would help them see the whole story of the Bible. And here's what it says in chapter 3 about Abraham. Not too long after the whole tower business, the Tower of Babel, God called a man named Abraham to leave his home and go to a new country. Actually, his name was Abram at this point, but everyone remembers him as Abraham. When God called Abraham, he made a lot of big promises. He promised to bless Abraham and to bless everyone who blessed Abraham. He promised to curse everyone who cursed Abraham. He promised Abraham a land and a child. He promised that Abraham would be the father of a great nation and that all nations would be blessed through him. Pretty much, all the blessings that God wanted to give to Adam and Eve, he promised to Abraham. And the best part, this time God was going to do everything himself to make sure Abraham got his blessing. You might think that God wanted to bless Abraham because he was such a swell guy. But Abraham didn't know God at all when God called him. And even after he got the call and all these promises, Abraham could still be a liar and a bit of a scaredy cat. Abraham's life had a lot of ups and downs, but he had two things going for him. The only two things, it turns out, that really matter. God's promise to bless him 
and Abraham's belief in God's promise. That's all Abraham had, which was a good deal because it was all he needed. What do we learn from the story of Abraham this morning that will help us as we follow the Lord? The first thing that we see in these verses is that God gives a clear call to action. Remember, this is the unfolding of how a person can know God and what God's big plan is in the world. Look at verse 1 of Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. It's a clear call, isn't it? In one sense, you can't get away from exactly what it says. Go from your country. It's not fuzzy, is it? And just so you know, the Bible's not this big fuzzy book with all these mysteries in it. Now, you can go deep in some places that will confuse you much. You can. But on the you know, basic level, the direct level, what God has said and who God is is abundantly clear. And so God says to Abram, it's time to move. God's call to action is for Abraham to leave his familiar home. It was to leave what was natural, what was known, and what was comfortable. Can I tell you this is the call that God gives to all of us? If you want to follow God, he's not going to leave you where you are. He's not going to leave you in a place that's comfortable and easy and simple. He's going to ask you whether actually or figuratively to leave the familiar, to leave what is easy for you to be a part of. And I I worry sometimes that some of our greatest enemies as American Christians are comfort and convenience. And if God disrupts those two things, we freak out. I mean, I, I can prove this to you just by turning the heat off this morning. If I turn the heat off this morning, this whole room will be like, I don't think I can concentrate. It's 63 and a half degrees. It's usually 67. I don't know what to do. Right? We, we have such uh, cared for lives sometimes. And we try to protect those. And God says, Abraham, I want you to leave. It, it's, it's probably about impossible for us to understand the, how deep this went for him. The community that he knew, the people he knew, the family he had. And, and we live in a fairly mobile world, don't we? I have three brothers. I have a brother in Pennsylvania. I have a brother uh, just outside Nashville, Tennessee. I have a brother in Park City, and we're here. And we grew up in New Hampshire. That's a big change from 50 or 100 years ago, isn't it? But even rewind the clock thousands of years before that, to pick up and move across the world probably sounded a little bit like when Noah started building the ark. You're going to do what? Go where? It's a call to leave the familiar. It's a call to venture into the unknown, right? Because as clear and simple as what God said was, What did he not tell Abraham where he was going? (laughs) He's like, leave where you are and go where I tell you. I'll get you there. You know, in some ways, that's the story of the Christian life, right? Leave the comfort of your sin and your own way to go God's way. Where's that going to go? I'm not entirely sure. But guess what? God's going to go with you. And he's going to get you there. He said, I'm not going to move until I have it all figured out. Let me help you. Then you won't move, right? Well, we're going to have kids once we're ready. Okay, let me talk to all the people who have kids. Who was ready? 
Now, some of you think you're ready. You're not ready. I wasn't ready. And then invariably, right, you got a few kids and you're like, surprise! (laughs) We are not ready to venture into the unknown, but not alone, to go there with God. And I love the fact that God's clear call is to experience a better destination. To leave a familiar home, to go out into the unknown, but to experience a better destination. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And maybe this is where we really struggle because we think that the place we are is the best place we could possibly be. Do you know where the best place we could possibly be is? Heaven. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And one day what? We'll dwell in the house of the Lord. God is in the process of taking you to better destinations, even through valleys and hard things, till he brings you home. I don't know where you are in your walk with God, or maybe it's a whole new thing to you, but the path to spiritual growth and really the path of beginning a relationship with God through Jesus is this hearing of God's call to action. But it doesn't stop there, does it? God keeps going. And by the way, he doesn't have to. God continues to move, and now God makes some promises. So we start with a clear call to action, but then we see incredible promises of God's blessing Verse 2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. I don't know the exact number. I probably could have looked it up this week, but I didn't. But if you take your Bibles and start charting God's promises right? There are hundreds, if not thousands, of gracious promises God makes as we follow him, right? Things like Romans 6 that tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Things like the command to children, obey your parents in the Lord, right? For this is right, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment that comes with a promise, so that it'll be well with you, and you'll live long on the earth. Promises that I cling to often, like Galatians 6.10, don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season what? You will reap, as long as you don't quit. Promises like Jesus said to people, come to me, I'm the living water, and if you follow me, what will happen? You'll never thirst again. God's word is full of precious promises, and he starts by making some here to Abraham. These are life-changing blessings for Abraham, aren't they? Verse 2, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. We're still talking about Abraham today. I'm fairly certain that in 50 or 100 years, no one will be talking about Matt Parker. It's okay. This life really isn't about any of us. But today... We read about a guy named Abraham because God made him promises. But the blessings don't stop with Abraham, do they? Promises of a great nation and a great name, they actually expand to his family and to the whole entire world. I will bless those who bless you, and him that dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Isn't it incredible that the God of the universe 
tells us, if you'll follow me and obey me, I'll do incredible things in your life, in your family's life, and even far beyond. My dad and mom are both first-generation Christians, which means they didn't grow up in Christian homes. But God worked in their lives. He saved them in their mid-20s. And you know what it changed? So far. Three generations. And I don't know how far it'll go, but it started. Not because my parents are special people, but because God makes promises and keeps them. And it affects generations. It's funny, I think all of us would hope to have an impact beyond just our little world. You know how you do that? You follow God one step at a time. And then you let God do what he's going to do. What makes God's promise to Abraham incredible? He has no kids. And he's, we know he's older. He's in his mid-70s at this point. They won't actually end up having a child until he's around 100 years old. But God knows what he's doing. He's making promises and keeping promises. And that's what he's done throughout all of history. So I don't know if he would do that for me. Can I just encourage you? Spend some time here and watch how God has always faithfully kept his promises. Can I give you one other encouragement? Talk to other Christians. We all haven't seen, as long as you're in this room, you haven't seen the end of the story. But you've seen some of it, haven't you? Is God faithful? Does he keep his word? Does he provide? Does he protect? Does he work? Does that mean life isn't hard? No. God sends trials. Life is hard. But God is faithful to walk through them. A clear call to action. Incredible promises of God's blessing. That is grace. And then look, a simple response of faith. Verse 4. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed. Those are three simple words, aren't they, in verse 4? So he went. Think about what that entailed. If you had planted your life somewhere and lived there for your first 75 years, and we know Abraham was a guy who had grown wealthy, he had significant possessions, he had a home, right? To pick up his tent, to pick up his family, and relocate, that's a massive step. But the Bible sums it up really simply. So he went. Do you know that that's what God's asking of us? That as he speaks, and as he promises to do good, that we would just get up and go. And by the way, this right here is the test of whether faith is real or not. The test of faith is not whether you can say the right things. The test of faith is not whether you can get the right answers on a test. The test of faith is what? It's the actions of of our lives. And when we actually believe God, like we actually get on the plane to fly across the country, it's because we trust the pilot. It happens when we act. We can say all day long that we love our neighbors and we hope that they find Jesus, but what's the test of our faith if we actually get to know them and say something? We can say all day long that there's a sin or a struggle in our life that we really wish we could shake, but what's the test of our faith? It's whether we do things about it. Like James 5, we confess our faults to one another and pray for one another. Romans chapter 6, we, we put to death sin. We ask for God's grace. We actually take action. That's the test of faith. If we're not careful, we can get in a place where we think because we can spin ideas in our heads 
that we're in a really good place. God is much more concerned that when he says go, we pick up our tent and move. Faith hears God's call. Romans chapter 10 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We want our hearts to be like Samuel, don't we? Speak, Lord, because your servant is listening. Can I just ask you, if God speaks to you again and again and again, and you grow dull of hearing and you don't listen to him, I don't listen to him, what will eventually happen? It'll go quiet. But can I also tell you something? If you have a tender heart and when God speaks, you're, you're, you're hearing and you're listening, guess what God will keep doing? Isn't that where you want to be? That's where I want to be. I want to be a place that God can keep speaking, keep moving, keep showing me things in his word, and, and I'll keep a tender heart. Don't you love watching this in little kids? Just their tenderness of spirit, their, their willingness to hear how, how tender and broken they get at the smallest correction. Tim will say sometimes to us, I think you're mad at me. I feel like you're mad at me. I can never do anything right. Sometimes it's a little check on us as parents, but um, I'm thankful that his heart is tender. And the Bible warns us against becoming dull of hearing and hard of heart. We're going to look at a story next week where God calls Abraham to sacrifice his only son. And you know what's the most amazing line in that whole story? Is when it says, and early the next morning, Abraham got up and did it. Imagine the impact in our families. Imagine the impact in our church. Imagine the impact in our community if we would just simply get up the next morning and do just what God told us to do. That's faith. Faith takes action. Faith responds in obedience. It obeys the right way and all the way, right? Abraham isn't like, how about we test this out and I go a few cities over and see how it goes? He says, all right, God, you take me where you want me to go. Faith packs its bags and embraces change, uncertainty, and sacrifice. That's hard for me. Is that hard for you? I think about when Jesus called the disciples. What did he say to them? The guys are out fishing. Two words. What does he say? Follow me. What's in, what's like, what does that mean? What are the ramifications of those two words? They're huge, aren't they? It means end your career, sell your boats and your nets or find people to replace you, pick up your life and follow me. What's the obvious question we would ask? Where? Did Jesus answer that question? No, he just said, follow me. And then he led them on a journey. Was it easy? It wasn't easy. Did they grow? Did God use them in incredible ways? Do you, can you imagine what any of those 12 disciples thought after Jesus' death and beyond? And they're like, we are, we are going around the world telling people about Jesus. Can you believe this? From fishermen and tax collectors and religious crazy people to follow me. So I have a really simple question this morning before we transition to communion. And it's this. Are we listening to God's voice? Do we have God's word open? By the way, this is the A number one way God speaks to people. It doesn't mean God doesn't use other means, but primarily and certainly the 100% reliable way God speaks to people is through his word. So it's, it's, it's no accident that if we don't open God's word, we don't hear God's voice. So do we listen? Do we lean in? Do we take heed 
to what God says? And do we respond in faith? In so many ways, this story in Genesis 12 is a big story and a little story. It's global, isn't it? Like, the, the Jewish people exist today because of this moment. And they would tell you, Abraham is our father. And ultimately, who comes through the line of Abraham? Jesus does. And the world is forever changed. This is a global moment. But it's also a personal journey, isn't it? This is the wonder of God's work in the world. It's so massive and so timeless that, that you and I are like, this teeny tiny big in it. But it's also incredibly personal. God knows every single person sitting in this room today. All the way down to how many hairs you have on your head or don't have. He knows the situation of your life. He knows the feelings of your heart. He knows the things that you are so excited about but scared to tell anybody. He knows the things you're terrified about. He knows the things that keep you awake at night. He walks a personal journey. So it's this big. Man, look at God and his promises and his grace and his power and his wow. But it's also this small. He knows you. And he says, Matt. Remember recently I was going through a, a situation I was struggling in my life and I read Psalm 4. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I read Psalm 4. Be still and know that I am God. Bam! I was like, got it. Shut your mouth. Wait patiently. Let God work. I've known times in my life God has used his word to be like, bam, kick in the pants. Go! Have that conversation. Take that step of faith. God doesn't want to leave you where you are. He wants to take you to a new place. But he doesn't force anyone. He says, here's what I have to say. Here's all the great things that await you if you'll follow me. So Abraham went. Let's pray together. God, it is incredible that you know us and care for us and love us. We are not extraordinary people. We, like Abraham, panic sometimes. We fear. We're dishonest. We, we sin against one another, but you are a God of grace and mercy, and you have sent Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sins. God, you know every heart in this room today. I, I have no doubt that there are people sitting in this room and through your spirit, you are speaking to them right now. Maybe they need to put their trust in Christ and stop trying to work their way to heaven and, and turn from their sin and just trust you and give you their lives. Maybe there are deeply rooted sins that you want to uproot and move an angry man to a peaceful man. You, you want to move a greedy lady to a content lady. You want to move a proud soul to humility. Maybe there are some who need to make a significant change in life, a move, a job, a relationship that they've been holding on to that you want them to let go. As we meet you in Genesis 12, you are the God who would you help us to be people with tender hearts to listen and to follow. Thank you for the cross, the perfect example of humble obedience that you exalted. Lord, we pray that even as we turn our focus now to communion, that we would reflect on your great promises and the sacrifice of Jesus that makes this all possible. We would have no access to you without him. What a gift, what grace we remember together. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.